You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. All the girls are complicated. Everyone is precious too, and you might get lucky if you do. Oh, you might get lucky if you do. Find the one that makes you laugh. Find the one that takes your breath where you won't get everything that you want. Oh, but you'll need one to don't Hello, and welcome to episode 190 of the Christian Feminist Podcast. I'm your host this week, Laurie Norris, and with me today is a very special guest to the CFP, Jay Eldred. Hello, Jay! Hello, it's good to be back after, oh, a year, maybe even two since the last time I was here. Well, then I think it's time for you to reintroduce yourself to our listeners. It probably is, because if you went back and listened to the last episode I was on, most of that information is is outdated. Um, <laughs> my, my, my name is still Jay Eldred. Everything else ha- has pretty much changed. Um, I'm no longer teaching high school history. I'm now the lead admissions specialist at a local community college, and um, my pronouns are they, them, which is... I imagine we'll be talking about um, throughout this episode. I, I think we will. Um, I'm Laurie Norris. Uh, I am the office manager at the English department in, at UGA. My pronouns are, well, you cannot misgender me because as my, my friend Joshua jokes, my, Laurie's pronouns are me, mine. So um, <laughs> everyone else is wrong. I'm right. And everything about me is correct, and you can get in line. That's my gender. And, and I discovered that about myself through our topic of conversation today. Listeners, buckle up, because we are discussing cosplay. It's one of my very favorite things, and I believe it's one of your very favorite things, too. Right, Jay? It, it is. Um, it's something that... Both my, my wife and I do throughout the year. We, we look forward to the convention season, which for us runs from September through November. So we oh, spend, you're, you're in the we spend, well, we, we are, it depends on how our schedule works out, but we, we do nine months of planning and three months of, of participation. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds thrilling. I mostly save up for one big weekend and then Halloween. Um, but before we get into like the nitty gritty of that, I think we should actually define for our listeners and, and ourselves what cosplay actually is. So, Jay, what is cosplay to you? Well, we could, we could go with the, with the uh, dictionary definition of cosplay, which is a portmanteau of costume and play, um, essentially getting to dress up, act out, one's favorite characters from well anything i know that the big ones might be something like a tv show or a movie like uh, star trek or i know game of thrones is still pretty popular but there are people who do cosplay for books and plays and anything else that you can imagine that yeah, is it's... that's a work of fiction and even some nonfiction. yeah it's amazing 
what people, what the umbrella of cosplay allows people to explore. Um, so I see a lot of intellectual properties, like popular movies and, and things like that, but then you'll also find people who come up with their own original characters that, that would mm -hmm. fit within a, an extant universe of some sort. And oh yeah, just... especially with things like uh, tabletop role-playing games, people will dress up as their own characters that they've created. You do that, don't you? I do. Um, so I know that by now I have probably close to 10 or 11 different characters, but I've only actually cosplayed as two of them. That's really impressive because I, so I'm kind of slow to get into uh, role-playing games, but I've recently started a D&D &D campaign with some friends, mm -hmm. um, and I'm now a level four. Fi we're finally advanced enough that we don't get killed by walking through doorways. Um, but I'm getting really into the idea of building out the actual costume for my character and and I have to spend I have to spend at least a year thinking about what materials I want to put into something before I can mm -hmm. start to imagine any of the other parts. So it's it's in the very nascent stages. But for me, cosplay is like yeah, it's it's an extension of costuming, and I love the material culture of it, the actual construction of cosplay. Mm -hmm. um, but it is it's different from the theater costuming or something like that because you cannot forget the play like it has to be a source of joy and fun for you otherwise it's a job mm -hmm. which there are people who make money as professional cosplayers which seems exhausting to me but i i have an acquaintance that's on that route and i do not envy the amount of effort and work that they have to do for that that, that kind of leads me to a question that um, I wonder a lot about how professional cosplayers or the people who put, you could tell put a lot into the pieces. So how did they start? How did you start? How did you get into cosplay? Um, so I am by nature a very introverted person. So like most of my, my hobbies that involve other people, I have to say my wife got me into it. Um, <laughs> More, more specifically, there was a convention near us back in, I think, I think it was 2013. There was a convention being held about two hours from us, and David Tennant was going to be there. Ooh. And so that is where our tax refund money went that year, is we got tickets <laughs> to the convention and got tickets for David Tennant. And it was one of those where her return got in, mine was still out, and it's like, you know, it's a lot of money. Um, for us at that time and it's like if it if mine doesn't come in you know you and your sister will go and I'll be fine well the day before got an alert from my bank account and I'm like okay looks like I'm going what am I going to do for a costume <laughs> and so I, I so my very first cosplay was it was a thrift store closet closet cosplay done done over the course of about eight hours um, I ended up removing all the color from a long-sleeved shirt so that it was like that creamy beige color. Yeah. Slapping on a green belt that I got from um, Goodwill 
that uh, that crystal super glued cut up dowel rods to to mimic a bandolier and i was nathan drake from the uncharted video games oh that's fun and i had people recognize me and that was great and i think and i think and i think that's what really did it is that there i am literally in jeans sneakers and stuff held together with duct tape and hot glue and i had people excited to see me isn't it the best like that's that's kind of how I got into cosplay. Like it, for me, it was um, through Halloween costumes, which has always been my jam. There are pictures of me, a little kid, taking this stuff seriously. And since I live in Athens, and the Wild Rumpus for 15 years now has been the mm-hmm. best day of the year in this town. Um, and it was last night when we were recording this. Uh, Co- making costumes for Halloween parties and for the Wild Rumpus has been a source of joy for me. And I tend to pick really obscure things, but when somebody recognizes it and you get that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio from Once Once Upon a Time, yes. Yes, that, oh, yes. oh, that is just, it's thrilling. But the best part is that it's not that they're looking at you, because I'm also a giant introvert. I'm really talkative, but I'm a giant introvert. It's exhausting being around people. But when they're looking at you in cosplay, they're not looking at you. They're looking at a character, and they're looking at your craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not, you're buffered. You know, there's not, right. it's not taking your energy away, because Nathan Drake yes. is interacting with his public. Exactly. Like loves loves him. There's the enthusiasm is so addictive, mm-hmm. so great. So and and that's yeah. actually how I am able to do conventions like that because when I'm doing cosplay, I don't have to be me because I would never be able to go through a crowd like myself. But Nathan Drake could, or Mabel Pines could, or my six well i'm i'm close to six foot in in the game he's five foot no just about five foot but my my rabbit with a crossbow he certainly can do it that's awesome yeah so what is okay before we before we move a little bit further into the nitty-gritty of our our personal cosplays we should probably define for the for the listeners um closet cosplay is Mm -hmm. is when you pull something out of your closet and turn it into a costume. So, like, for me, yep. my go-to um, closet cosplay is Death from Sandman because it's just yes. the clothes I own. Because I'm, I'm a goth punk horror nerd. So I, I own all of that stuff. All I have to do is draw on the eye makeup and smile, and, and it's done. But closet cosplay is... I think I've said that so many times. I'm getting semantic cessation off of it. So correct me if I just do, like, word salad when I'm trying to say Mm -hmm. it. Um, It is an entry point. It's an easy, low-cost, like, low-emotional cost and low-financial-cost entrance into playing with dress-up as an adult. Mm -hmm. And you'll see it on some, some, like... Social media, sometimes people can get really obnoxious about gatekeeping for, oh, that's, you just had that in your closet. You didn't make that. Oh, you just bought that. I hate those people. Mm -hmm. I think those people should have tax shoved under their toenails because it separates the joy, the play of costuming 
from the from it, and it's just so snobby. So I'm here to say, listeners, if you've never experimented with cosplay, look in your closet and see what you've got and go for it. And then you can be obsessive-compulsive like me and buy a fancy sewing machine that you don't really know how to use and try and teach yourself how to follow sewing patterns by making a Rococo gown. Um, you know, the easy stuff. Jay, you've mentioned a couple of your cosplays, but mm-hmm. what is your typical kind of cosplay like? So that's a good question because, again, in, with very few exceptions, I usually base what I'm wearing based on what my wife wants to do because we really like doing not necessarily couples cosplays, but we'll do, like, characters from a show that go together. Yeah. Um, so it's like our own mini mini group meetup, and sometimes we'll find other people cosplaying from the same show or same film, and random pictures end up showing up over over the internet. Um, but generally, I tend to cosplay more animated shows. Um, I know that one of the ones that we do that's relatively e- easy for us to both put together and to, tr- and to travel, we do things like um, Carmen Sandiego and Where's Waldo? Nice. And Greg and Wirt from Over the Garden Wall. Um, one, one recent one that's recent within the last year, this year we brought out, um, Eda the Owl Lady and Rain Whispers from the Owl House. Ooh. So that's, that's kind of where I, where I tend to go. Now I have had a few where I've gone and said, this is what I want to do. And again, major credit to, to my wife because I am not crafty. I have I have a lot of ideas, and I have an idea of how things should go together, but when I try to get my fingers to do it, it doesn't quite work. Um, but one of my favorites that I've done in the past was a mashup of Mabel Pines and Louise Belcher <gasps> from Gravity Falls and Bob's Burgers. That would be amazing. And that was really cool because, like, I had the rainbow the rainbow sweatshirt, but we replaced the shooting star. The star part was a hamburger and we made a mustard bottle grappling hook. (laughs) And it was, it was amazing. And that's one that I I was really happy with. Um, I posted it online and Kristen Shaw, the voice actor saw it and said it was a good, a good mashup of the two and, and probably the best balance that she had seen up to that point. Praise from Caesar. And I'm just like, Oh, Okay. I've made it here. That's awesome. That is that is like legitimately awesome. Congratulations. What about you? Um, so my typical cosplay tends to be from movies. A lot, a lot of movies. I am an action film nerd, and I am a horror nerd. I am also a very strong personality, so I sweep others up into my wake and. Um, don't do couples costumes because I've been single for a very long time, but I do group costumes and my friends Mm -hmm. have to follow along. So one year for Rumpus, I had, it was the year that Mad Max Fury Road came out, which Mad Max, the Mad Max Quadrilogy is my favorite series of films ever. So a little obsessed. Um, I think I saw the movie like 10 times and it's such a visually striking film. I was like, all right, we're all doing this. Get on board. And I was a war boy, and a friend was uh, Miss Giddy, 
um, the one with the writing all over her, and then we had an, a Doof Warrior with the mask. Um, we had a couple of Valkyries. Uh, one friend, he actually went full of Morton Joe uh, with the, the headpiece and everything. It was nice. Awesome. This year for uh, for well, we did it actually for Rumpus in 2019, but uh, the group of us re- we revisited and fine tuned. Our, our costumes itself for a, a group on the Midsummer on Midsummer the the movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, I went as the May Queen in the final scene with the floral gown, um, which is a neck to floor cape completely covered in flowers, and I think it's probably the most expensive cosplay I've ever done. Last count, materials all together is probably about seven hundred dollars. Um, but my friend Jessica went as the bear in the cage. Mm-hmm. And then my friend Joshua was the barn that gets set on fire. <laughs> and and um, our friend Beth, who is also Dragon Con with us, she went at um, sort of a Scandinavian dress as just like one of the villagers. And we were walking around. Um, if anybody goes to Dragon Con, you'll know the Marriott is sort of the, the meat market. Um, on Saturday evening, uh, no, yes, yeah, Saturday evening, we were walking around um, after the horror horror cosplay group photo shoot and walking in a, a straight line. So you see this giant flower coming towards you and then a bear and then a really creepy barn. Um, and so we're just going through and everyone's like, oh, wow, pictures, pictures, pictures. The next day, Beth and I are in a panel with... Elijah Wood and Andy Circus, and Elijah Wood was asked how he's enjoying DragonCon, had never been to before, and he's like, yeah, the Marriott's really great hotel, and I love all the cosplay, specifically the Midsummer. We did some math, and he had been in a panel where we were when we were walking around, and his panel had just let out when we started our, our, our walk by it, mm-hmm. so there is a strong probability, a non-zero chance, that... Elijah Wood liked our costumes. Nice. Yeah, it was sort of my the highlight of my life. Yeah. Yeah, but my, my typical cosplay tends to be movie characters for the most part. Sometimes comics, because um, I also really like those. Uh, definitely mm-hmm. with a horror bent because I do a lot of it for Halloween, so spooky times, right? Um, but I'm, I'm building up for... I had this idea that I want to do because I want to actually teach myself the skills to make it. So I'm going to do what I call Dead Antoinette. So I'm going to do like a Marie Antoinette 1750s Rococo gown, but all uh-huh. in grayscale. Um, okay. So... I will then paint my face in, like, skeletal makeup and my arms and my legs in skeletal makeup. And for my wig, uh, instead of, like, the butterflies and flowers and, like, sailing ships that they would put to decorate in their their wigs, I've got death head moths and spiders and bones and stuff and... uh, I'm very excited, but I'm also super intimidated because I got the pattern. It's 
it's the simplicity pattern. And I started looking at it, and there are 20 pieces you have to cut out. And the first instructions use phrases I don't know what they mean. So we'll see. But that's not quite my dream cosplay. <laughs> but it's like my dream, how do I learn how to do a thing? Because this is really an excuse to amass more useless skills. So. so so, do you have a dream cosplay then? I have my white whale that I've been chasing. I got, I got kind of close, but my dream cosplay would be screen accurate Mac Ro Max Rocketancy from the end of the Road Warrior. And that's okay. finding the cricket pad, finding the right truck lifts from the right model of the Ford, convincing myself it is reasonable enough to buy a, a an actual leather jacket that I'm going to cut up instead of just being, oh, I could wear it, um, committing to destroying something that I, oh, I could wear those pants. Um, that's my dream, that I am Ahab and Max is my Moby Dick. Um, what about you? What's your dream? Um, I kind of have two, and one is both a cosplay but combined with a location. Ooh. So it would be, be um, I would love to actually be Howl's Moving Castle. <gasps> and, like, the castle. And yes. I want to do the photo shoot in Japan. <gasps> that would... That would be, like, the dream cosplay. Um, probably one that's a little bit more realistic and will, you know, that's, like, the dream. One that I would love to do, speaking of Sandman earlier, I want to do um, Dream's uh, battle outfit with oh. the mask and the huge eyes and the things like that. Yes. And I am a little bit closer to that because out of nowhere I was gifted um, a World War II era gas mask. Shut up! So I actually have the thing that it was modeled after, so I've got the long pipe and I've got the big bug eyes. Unfortunately, the fabric was not kept well, and so I don't think that I can actually wear the mask itself, but I do have some of those parts that I could if not incorporate, at least I have an accurate pattern to, to do something with. That's spectacular and eerie because I was just talking to a grad student in my, in my uh, department about how we are both trying to build that mask. And for me, it's sourcing the right bones f uh, for the spine, mm -hmm. which sounds super creepy when I say it. And I don't intend to use actual human bones because that's, they're very expensive. But even getting like fake, you know, scientist, science classroom skeletal parts, they're, they're not the right size. Their scale is all off. So I am envious of your gas mask, friend. <laughs> well, it, it just happened. There was someone at work that was cleaning out a shed and said, hey, I have this. Do you want it? It's like, yes. Yes, that's, I do. Oh, that's, that's, that's like better than Christmas. It's like somebody just hands me like, oh, I've got, I've got all these yards of, of weird fabric. Do you want it? Yes! What are you going to do with it? I don't know! But suddenly the world's your oyster. 
Mm-hmm. Or other preferred mollusk. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah, there's a lot of Some people have shellfish allergies. Um, okay, so I want to kind of switch gears a little bit more and, and, and talk a, a little bit more seriously about mm-hmm. cosplay. And specifically, it's like, we've talked before. Cosplay has been something that helped us figure out who we are as, mm-hmm. as people. So... Are you comfortable sharing with with our listeners some of your journey on cosplay and how cosplay has made Jay? Sure. Um, Might be some fits and starts in there because I've been thinking when you said your history with cosplay goes back to Halloween and, you know, pictures when you were young. Mm -hmm. I remember like a few Halloweens that we dressed up. We, I think we did like the, the classic bedsheet ghost kind of thing. Yeah. But both because of the part of the country where I was raised, i.e. no neighbors, and also growing up in a very high control authoritarian religion, that was not something that was done. Mm. So I didn't have that experience growing up. And even when, when I started doing cosplay as an adult back in 2013 or so, um, there were people in my life that were like, are you sure you should be doing that? Aren't you, you know, are you going to be inviting something into, into like take over or things like that? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm literally just pretending to be a video game character. Um, so Cosplay not only helped me helped me understand me, but also kind of, I don't want to say how I fit in the world, but it helped me to look at the world through a different set of eyes. Yeah. Um, to see it from not just a character's eyes, but as I got to know other people in the cosplay community or di- the different vendors that we saw and then would see repeating years and just, just flat out making friends, um, being able to have a better appreciation for what's out there and then to realize that because i am an adult with adult money there's no one there's no one that can say oh you can't be this character because xyz and it's like well it's my time and it's my money if i want to buy buy the shirt and the hat i can be mabel pines or louise belcher if i want to and so what if i've got a face full of facial hair people will still recognize who i am um and so that was that that was a lot of it was me starting to realize, hey, I can be whoever I want to be, and at least for a few Saturdays a month, no one is going to care what I look like or what I'm calling myself, and in fact, they'll appreciate it even more um, so that was probably about two thousand fifteen two thousand and sixteen somewhere in there um I'll say where when I consciously consciously started to evaluate uh-huh. who I am as a person. Um, looking back, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, and looking back, it's like, oh, there were signs all along. <laughs> why would they? Why? Why did I not see them? And then it's like, oh, that's right, high control religion. <laughs> um, and and when I say high control, I do mean high control. I'm not going to to name. Um, any particular denomination, but I was in churches that literally believed other churches were in their, in their denomination were probably wrong because it was not 
this one particular church. Oh. That kind of, that kind of high control. Um, yeah, so looking back, I can say, yeah, I struggled, not so struggled, but my, I've always been dealing with how I perceive myself. It was really 2015, 2016 that I was able to start taking a serious inward look and make the effort to try to understand why I was feeling the way that I, the way that I was and why I was drawn to portraying a wide variety of characters, um, things like that. And that probably culminated in 2020, which I like to say for, for many people, 2020 was an awful year. It was the year of the pandemic and mm-hmm. shutdown and everything like that. But for me, it was really good because number one, I was at the time I was in a position where I could work from home, which meant I wasn't commuting. I wasn't going into a job necessarily where the people at that time definitely would not have agreed with anything that we've talked about today um, and say, wow, getting out of that environment really makes me feel good about myself. Like I, I actively feel happy. And so that was, let's see, that was March of 2020 for us is when things really started to, to shut down. Mm -hmm. And by September, I was out of that job in a different job. I had already begun introducing myself with different pronouns to different friends group, friend groups and folks at, at uh, my work. And here we are three years later, and I am fully out as non-binary to everyone that I can think of. It's out, like, out on Facebook. I talked with my family, um, things like that. So, yeah. I don't want to say that cosplay changed my life, but it definitely played a key part in me understanding who I am. That's awesome. I have not had, so for my, because of my relationship with cosplay, it's sort of realizing that I've actually been doing this my entire life. Um, I, I, not, I don't remember when it happened because the biggest effect for me for the pandemic is any time anything is in the past it is all smushed together so Mm -hmm. i cannot tell you when things happen that they have happened they are over they passed so at some point in the past it dawned on me that most of my characters most of the the characters that i pull oh i love that costume i'm gonna do that um tend to be men um and i myself am sort of i'm a bad lady because I'm not, I wouldn't call myself masculine, but mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm big and I'm bold and I am brash, that's that sort of things that are not usually coded as female in, in our society. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of gravitate towards characters with that same, you know, to be honest, Laurie, swagger. <sighs> I'm very charismatic. Um, <laughs> and, and a lot of them are, are male. And because I watch a lot of action movies and a lot of horror movies, they also tend to be the heroes because I'm the hero of my story. Um, and so it dawning on me that this is, this is why I'm intra- attracted to these characters and why I'm interested in, in them. And wait, it's the, it's the, you know, it's the chocolate for, it's the chocolate cake for breakfast thing. When you come to realize you're an adult and like, yeah, I can spend my money the way I want to. I can, mm-hmm. I can dress the way I want to. 
I don't have to wear prints anymore. I can just wear solids. And those solids could be all black or all gray all the time. And and from an aesthetic standpoint, I really like sharp geometrical shapes and lines and um, what you would call architectural style clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so not even just menswear, but like... Really, I have really expensive tastes. So it's like, I want Comme de Garçon and Ears Van Herp and everything. Um, so putting all of that together, and it, it made me realize that I am a, I am gender nonconforming. Like my body is what it's supposed to be. Like I, the the sex and gender that I was assigned at birth, I'm fine with. Um, every what everyone else's problem is is where I don't act like a little lady, and that's stupid. Get with the program. I'm right. They're wrong. But I got to that <laughs> that comfort level because I was able to explore characters who have more license to act the way I I am. Mm-hmm. So like, th- I think that's one reason why I love uh, Mad Max so much and Max Rockatansky is um, the I'm not quiet. Max is quiet. That's our biggest difference. Um, the sort of power. The the certain like self assurance and the certainty moving through the world that when you when you step in somebody's gonna get out of your way or you'll be you'll be fine if they don't um, that's mm-hmm. not really afforded women a lot and I refuse not to have access to that and so I take a lot of inspiration from the male characters that I cosplay and it's given me license. Because I already have the confidence, because right. I'm cocky. Um, but it's given me the license to carry that in my own persona. But because, despite the fact that I talk a lot, and I'm very loud, I am an introvert. It's just exhausting to be around people and to be social. Um, I've really loved that distance that the costume itself creates for you. Like, I get... I get to appreciate people's attention and the, the praise that they have for my for my craftsmanship, but I don't have to worry about are they looking at me? Do I have to be on? Do I have to like what mm-hmm. do I do with my hands? I don't know. It doesn't matter because it's a costume, so you do whatever you want. And they're like, oh, picture, and then they move on, and it's a short little burst, and I get some uh, like affirmation, but mm-hmm. I don't have to give myself up for it, and I. Th- I think that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from what cosplay I do is that I can make my own way in the world and people who have a problem with that can suck it. So, yeah, that's I think that's why I end up doing a lot of crossplay, which for our listeners, crossplay is when you cross genders. Um, uh, like, you'll see a lot of dudes who don't want to shave their beard, but they want to dress up as Ursula, and they're not exactly doing drag. Um, they're mm-hmm. just wearing a Disney princess outfit. Crossplay. Or, like me, you see, you see women, and they dress up as their favorite male video game character. It's crossplay. And that has as much credibility in the cosplay world as, as anything else. There are, there, are, there are certain rules, though, in cosplay. You, like, you do not change the color of your skin to be the other character, right? No Amen. black face, no yellow face, no brown face. You can do green face. 
you can do Blueface because those aren't real identities that you're trying to co-opt and right. appropriate for your own purposes. Um, but yeah, so if I wanted to be Blade because Blade is awesome, I would I would not I would not paint my skin. That would be so so offensive and it's just gross. But I put on that many swords and I was going to say right and people are like sword. Blade. Yeah. The, I was going to say the swords and the sunglasses everyone will know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean I think that's also one of the things that cosplay has taught me is that um we all share a lot more than we think we do. You know, like people are like, so last night at Rumpus, a friend of mine, they were dressed as Bob Ross and their fiance was dressed as a happy little tree. And just walking down the street, everyone's Bob Ross, Bob Ross, it's a tree, it's a tree. It's like there's the joy of just acknowledging that we all share this larger cultural connection mm-hmm. is really great. We, you know, walking around and be like, I don't understand your anime thing, but that big old sword tells me you're a character. You mm-hmm. look great. You know, like, it's the positivity and that, like, taking that enthusiasm and that joie de vivre. No, let me say it obnoxiously. Joie de vivre. Into, <laughs> into the world. That, that is a lesson I think we all need is to be just more enthusiastic about liking things. And letting other people be enthusiastic. And that helps us to like ourselves as well. <laughs> oh, so much. So much. It's like, it's like RuPaul says. How are you going to love somebody else if you can't love yourself? Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. I figured it was appropriate to, to cite um, our, our, our queen, RuPaul, because drag is arguably my very favoritist art form. Um, if I ever did drag, my name would be Ron de Cuba, um, based off a bottle of rum that a friend of mine brought back <laughs> to me from Cuba. Um, but that's almost to, to a performer. All of the kings and queens, drag monsters um, that that I know and, and enjoy their work, it's what dressing up as this character allows them to express about themselves, even if even if they are, like, cis male and and there, well, there, are, there are drag queens who are cis male and heterosexual, mm-hmm. but being able to tap into um, femininity or to tap into the power that the character creates, it allows them to be them more, even off, more authentically themselves in their non-performing life and I think I think we get that in cosplay too. I think we do because for the most part and I know that there are, there are people out there but in my experience unless you actually enter a competition you're not going to be judged for what you're doing. Yeah. There there now again there there are unfortunate examples out there but by and large those people are few and far between they just happen to be loud. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and that was, that was all, I think, there's so much gatekeeping in a lot of pop culture stuff. I mean, you go on the internet, and as soon as you say, I like this story, someone's like, yeah, but mm-hmm. have you read this one? 
and I've participated in, in a lot of gatekeeping myself. I remember doing it in high school that there are these two, two boys who drove me crazy. Um, I did not enjoy them. And one of them shows up, I think it was a Pearl Jam shirt or something, one day. And, and he had never worn anything related to anything close to rock and roll before. And I'm like, so what's your favorite song? And it, to the, it's been 30 years, and I'm still, Ari, that was, that was a real jerk move. I can live with regret, regret for a really long time. But, like, I'll gatekeep people over music. And I've got to, that's what I'm going to learn from Cosplay. I'm going to take those, those non-judgmental cues and try and make myself better and stop gatekeeping people about music because I'm a giant snob. So... Yeah, I, I judge people based on their bookshelf. <laughs> I, I really shouldn't do that either. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. We shouldn't, but if all I see is Dan Brown, I'm... Oh, come on. There's just... There are better examples in the genre. Let me show them to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the... You mentioned cosplay, a few of the cosplay rules. Another big one is cosplay is not consent. Yes! Yes. Just because someone is dressed a certain way does not give you permission to treat them as anything other than a human being. Yeah, I mean, literally, that's it's in, it's in the rules of a lot of conventions, is that just because a person is wearing a particular costume, you do not have permission to touch them, you do not have mm-hmm. permission to photograph them without their consent. That's a, yeah. yep. And, yeah. That, and that's, a, that's a big one, because it's just don't photograph anyone, period. Yeah. Regardless, like, ask first. I yeah. know that um, I have purposefully ruined more than a few people's photos because they just couldn't ask. Yeah. I, there, you get hop-ons, and if somebody asks and stands there, and then somebody goes, oh, 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 and mm-hmm. it's very hard I mean, to, like, not ruin the good person. Right. And, and hop-ons are one thing because they're already posing in a way. Yeah. But I've been both... I and, and my wife have been in a situation where we've had, like, people doing the whole, oh, I'm actually browsing the internet while I'm taking this photo of you. Oh, gross. We've, ha- we've had that kind of thing going on. Ugh. See, I, I just don't like knowing that my, inter- my, my face is on the internet and I don't, without my permission. I worry, I wonder, though, um about the cosplayers whose costume is basically themselves. So mm-hmm. like at DragonCon, there's an entire battalion of Spartans from right. 300, and their costume is how, their gym membership. Um, like, that's a lot. Like, and then women who wear pasties and body paint. Um, men who do that, too. I mm-hmm. often I often wonder how they navigate what what you and I have talked about the that ob- objective distance when like it's not the cost there is no literally no distance between them and the costume right how, how do you have that buffer that sort of protects your your psyche protects yourself or are they just extroverts or some sort of opposite from the way we approach the world that they don't need that buffer. I, I was running through the list of people that I know and I don't think I know of anyone that falls into that category that I can can 
didn't even ask. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I know a lot of, I know a lot of gem rats. Like I'm friends with um, professional wrestlers, people who, who put a lot of effort into their, their physicality. Even then they would both wear pants. Like D would wear bike shorts to be funny, but like pants, but I don't, I don't know if it's me failing to empathize with another way of looking at the world as opposed to my own. And I, I am neurodivergent, so it's, sometimes it's a little difficult for me to literally do that. But I, don't, I just don't get it. But I do know that even if they look completely nude, you still do not have permission to touch them. You still do, mm-hmm. still do not have permission to photograph them. Without their without their say so, you do not have permission to ogle and objectify these people, even if you see their junk. That's if you take nothing else, listeners. Do not objectify strangers' junk. That's the rule of cosplay. I'm I'm now flashing that, back. That deserves another amen. <laughs> I'm now flashing back to. Uh, Dragon Con, looking down at a crowd of uh, people this year getting ready for the Bunny Hutch um, party, where every, I, it's not my saying because it's all about the Playboy Mansion and the little, but there was a dude who was wearing like one of those um, Borat uh, bathing suits, you know, the green mm-hmm. sling yeah. thing, and I yeah. don't think he had considered the angle of approach if what he looked like from people who were above him because that was surprise you never want i never want to see surprise junk and i did and there was no way to yell across a room dude consider consider a belt like yeah yes yeah i felt bad and then i felt i felt bad because i couldn't tell him and like He's, 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 he's doing it for, he's doing it for laughs, but I don't think he thought of how exposed he was, and I felt like I violated his privacy just without meaning to. And that, that's the trouble sometimes with, with, with cosplay, is, like, finding that balance and Mm -hmm. navigating these, these waters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we're all trying to figure it out. We're all trying to do, do our best and have fun and not hurt people. Most of us are trying to not hurt people, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I think we're going to kind of wind down now. Um, where, what conventions do you, do you mostly go to? Would you like to advertise to anybody? As an opportunity uh, to join you in cosplay? <laughs> so, I live in eastern North Carolina where we have to travel two hours to get anywhere uh, of a decent size. Yeah. Um, I know that for us, we have Raleigh, which has several several conventions. They have, a, what's it called now? Now it's called GalaxyCon. Mm, yeah. it, it used to be SuperCon. Uh, typically, you could have found me, found us there in July, but we haven't gone the last couple of years because of some of their business practices. Mm. Um, 
City of Oaks is still good. We we try to get that when it when it works out. Um, but for us, we we pretty much do some of our local conventions. We try to help them grow because um, everyone has to start somewhere, and if you don't go to them, they're not going to come back. Yeah. So there's one down in oh, Wilmington, North Carolina, that we go to mm-hmm. um, that that they have uh, in the fall. There's one in. Well, there's, it's not a convention, but there is a Ren Fair in, in a town near us, uh, Kinston, North Carolina, which is on its third year. But again, they're, what they're, in talking with some of the people that run it, they're hoping to use that to bring in more like cosplay conventions and more things of that line. It's just that they started, to, they started with the Renaissance Fair. Um, and then there's even one here in our town. We, our town, um, I'm in New Bern, North Carolina. I'm okay advertising that. Um, we had one uh, two years ago, but unfortunately the place where they held it first was flooded in one of the hurricanes that has come through and now is not accessible because of some construction they're doing. Oh. So, so unless they can find another large space to hold it, it might be two or three years before we're able to come back and have have anything like that. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of where where we're at. Um, the Charlotte City Heroes Con is is a good one that we've been to, but for us, that's a six hour drive, so we don't always make that every year. Yeah, that's a haul. Yeah, I feel a little bit spoiled that um, Dragon Con is just an hour away from me. Um, and that, that is my big one. So it's, it's five days, and that's a lot of money to pay for a hotel room. So that's, that's really the only con that I do. Though Atlanta Comic Con and um, Momocon are, are popular. Momo is more like anime, and that's not my, not my jam. But mm-hmm. uh, Days of the Dead, yes, all about horror stuff. And there's one now, and a friend of mine is at in Orlando. I think it's one of those. Uh, Spooky Empire. That sounds mm-hmm. right up my alley, but it doesn't seem like it's as cosplay heavy. Um, but yeah, I I live for Wild Rumpus here in Athens. It's my favorite night in this town. It's the best night in this town because the students are all gone watching a football <laughs> game in Florida. And we get the city to ourselves. And I recommend anybody who has the opportunity, it's always the Saturday before Halloween, um, come up to Athens. Parades kicks off, kicks off at 8. Anybody who wants to walk in, it can. It was a huge crowd this year. But there's just fabulous people watching, and it is super fun. And it is Athens clinging to the last vestiges of our weirdness. It is the best thing the town does. And mm-hmm. Timmy Connolly, the, the man who created it, um, he, he's, he's a saint. So, yeah, you can find me at Dragon Con, mostly in horror get-up, and you can find me forcing my friends into another group costume at Rumpus. Oh, see. can I add one? Yeah. Oh, please do. Um, there, there's also uh, Fayetteville has... Fayetteville, North Carolina has the Fayetteville Comic Con. Usually that's like the second weekend in October. Yeah. Uh, we didn't make it this year because of a scheduling conflict, but usually we're at that one every year. Oh, fine. Like I said, we, 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 ha- we have a lot of smaller one- or two-day conventions. 
So that's that's what we have. And yeah, so if you're ever there, look for someone. I was going to say look for someone dressed as an animated character, but that's gonna, not going <laughs> to narrow it down very, very, very well. Um, I think my Facebook is is semi-public. So if anyone really wants to find out what I'll be doing, you can find me there. Yeah, and if you want to find me at DragonCon, you just put your hands to your mouth and start yelling Laurie. It's it's a relatively uncommon name, and um, I'll I'll I don't have great hearing, but I'll turn around and if if you see me, hey, Un- say hi. Unless someone happens to be cosplaying Laurie Strode. Well, I mean, I've done that myself, so uh, I'd still turn around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I a couple of years ago, one Halloween, I realized that um, my hair was perfect for the not perfect uh, David Gordon Green remakes of of it and or reboots or i don't know what you'd call them um not canon uh but the way jamie lee Curtis looks in those I was like, oh that's how i look now sweet so that was my costume just being myself as a middle-aged woman it was great all right so let's move on officially to our closing chapter on the episode passing on Jay, is there anything you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Um, sure. I've I've actually got three recommendations. Sweet. Um, number number one, if you haven't listened to it, go back and find the um, podcast on this show that was done on Monstrous Regiment. Um, I was on that, and if you listen to it, you will definitely hear that I am protesting too much about (laughs) things that I did not understand, but really did. I just knew that folks that I worked with listened to the podcast. (laughs) Um, So go back and listen to that. And along with that, um, Terry Pratchett's book, Monstrous Regiment, is is well worth the read. Um, If you also like that science fiction, fantasy kind of thing, um, Pratchett actually has a character... A, like a minor character in the last third of his books that we'll say is gender nonconforming and often expresses that through the things that they wear, things like that. So they show up in, a, in several different books, but there's no one main arc that I could, that I could point out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that really comes to a head in the book Unseen Academicals. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the minor plots in that is a a uh, dwarf or dwarven fashion show. So, and how that plays into the politics of the city. Um, I love that. I love if that you, scene. If you want to just look it up online and just read about the character, the character's name is Cheery Littlebottom, and you can probably find some some information on that. Uh, There's several different wiki pages for Pratchett's works. And then finally, just to see what um, a non-binary person or otherwise gender non-conforming person is like just existing in society, I would recommend uh, one of John Scalzi's recent books, The Caillou Preservation Society. Um, One of the scientists there falls into that category. And when I first realized what he was doing with a character, I had to like go back to when they were first introduced and figure out, wait, how did I miss this? <laughs> this is me. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
I am going to recommend to our readers that you just come to Dragon Con. Um, it's fun. Uh, if there's a ton of people, it's overwhelming in, in a good way. Uh, you can, it's actually relatively um, cheap when you consider it's the cost of what they call a membership for all five days versus some of the cost of the more corporate conventions around the country. People come in from all over the world, and it's essentially 32 different conventions that happen together. Uh, there's horror, there's uh, um, historical reenactment, there, there's people who study the military, there's just for Star Wars, just for Star Trek, there's just for science, there's urban fantasy, there's what's called the Brit track, then there's the costuming track, which is amazing and, and totally relevant to our discussion here. Um, it's super fun. The tickets are as cheap as they're going to be now. You can still find hotels around. It's, it takes place in Atlanta over Labor Day weekend every year. If you want to just come out on Saturday mornings, there's a parade where everybody in their cosplay walks a, a mile or so around Peachtree Street, and it's so much fun. The whole city comes out <clears throat> excuse me, to watch. Uh, you have battalions of stormtroopers. You have, uh, my favorite, are the Netherworld Haunted House spooks. Um, this year, there was an army of, of Barbies. Hi, Barbie! Um, it, it's great. So if you can make it to Atlanta on uh, Labor Day weekend, come on out. If you're also a college football fan, there will, will be a college football game of some sort going on on the other side of Atlanta that day. So you can be a fanatic in a lot of different ways. I do not get paid for this recommendation, though I should. All right, Jay, this has been an absolute delight. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. And listeners, I hope you had as much fun as I did. I want to thank you for listening to the Christian Feminist Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. If you have topic or reading recommendations for future shows, or if you just want to drop us a line, you can do so at christianfeministpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on our Facebook page or at the network's um, Twitter, X, no one's going to call it that, at CH Radio Network. And check out the notes, the show notes from this and our other episodes at the Christian Humanist blog at christianhumanist.org. The Christian Feminist Podcast is a member of the Christian Humanist Radio Network. Kristen Philippic is our press liaison. For Laurie Norris and Jay Eldred, I hope you've had a great day. Tune in in two weeks when the CFP will discuss Dana Scully. Until then, in Essentials Unity in non-essentials liberty, and in all things love.